Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Here we are at the creep dive. Da, 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 da. Um, the creep dive. <laughs> so uh, we, for the first time ever, we well, have the first time publicly released ever. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we, me and Cassie, had one. It was around the time uh, Sunny was born. It was like the weekend Sunny was born. That's right. And we had we were due to record, so we were like, "Fuck it, we'll just do an episode, have it in the bag." Hey, that's interesting. So we now have another episode of Just Me and Cass. I felt like we got a bit nervy then. Yeah, because Sophie keeps us in check. Yeah. So she's missing today. She's on a sick day. For the for, Like, incredible that we've managed to power through a pandemic. Uh, Sophie's just, like, reached 100 episodes and she's like, right, guys, my contract's <laughs> up. We're in negotiations <laughs> exactly. for the next 100. She's gone to do toast to she's toast. Just, yeah, she's just um, playing hardball. <laughs> I was uh, There was a few, in fairness, there was a few people who had written in to say, I like the idea of toast to toast. Too many. So I haven't passed on any of those messages to Sophie. Mm -hmm. But now, public, okay, it should happen. If she gets toast to toast, Cassie, on the network, I'm getting a solo one on the network. Okay. And my solo, here's my pitch. And this is, yeah, we're definitely, I think what the world needs is more Jen and Sophie podcasts (laughs) and more stress for Cassie. key Absolutely. No, listen now, the key is the solo element. Mm-hmm. You're right, no. Yeah. No, go on, go on. Okay, what I was thinking was a sort of nature-focused... Not very, Jen. Well, no, animals, uh, you know, okay. it, it's sort of an animal folk. Would you would you think anyone would be interested in... Like the critter, uh, the critter shed. Yeah. There's an animal... Fo- uh, you know, that's a great, that's a great one. There should be more of those. Okay, so you're going to... So here's my pitch, right? Then I talk all about the stuff... And then occasionally I'll interview a specialist in the area. Okay. I might go to Dublin Zoo. Very, I, I'm all for that. Wouldn't that be good? See yeah. if I could speak to a keeper. Uh, a lot has been happening this week in terms of Creep of the Week. Oh, we've got so many creepy stories. First of all, there were two bodies found in Rath Mines. Just randomly. Two skeletal no. remains. Maybe it was one. It was one. And it was that. Yes, they released his name. So Did they release a name? Well, if it's the same, it's a man. I'm thinking of, and his body was found a good maybe six months ago. I remember it being in on the April. News. Yeah, that sounds right. And then they've released his name and photograph in the press. Steve 
Stephen Corrigan. Stephen Corrigan, that's right. And has he been a missing person for a long time? He has, yes, he has, he has. Oh. Very sad. He's been but missing since 2011, our, our creep intern researcher, Speed, Sarah. Speedy fingers. Executive producer. Sarah. Executive, Executive producer, producer Sarah has just informed us, which is good because we do need some. I feel, I do feel very nervous that we're like, Sophie massively keeps us in check and, and reminds us that we have to come prepared with stories and not just ant- anecdotes about our own experiences. Completely untrue. You can come with it whatever you want, as long as it's a bit of fun mm. and with a shade or of creep. Tragic. Tragic. I'm glad now that she's been leaning into the the kind of the tragic children stories of late. So I'm glad um, I'm glad that she's not here to deliver one of those into my mind today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we miss her terribly. We, we wish her uh, speedy, speedy wellness and she'll, she'll be back with us in no time. Do you know, uh, just a small aside here. If you, like me, have signed up to everything in terms of television, mm. Disney Plus, Prime, Netflix, all of it. Yeah. If you have Disney Plus, Hamilton, I want you to watch National Treasure. Why? The year was 2004, could have been either 4 or 14. Nicolas Cage, Indiana Jones style treasure hunting. It blew me away. And there's two of them. There's National Treasure too. And actually the second might even be better. It was, it is a fucking joyous romp. Let that be your next film. Brilliant. But also, what is going on with Nicolas Cage? He's just like a very weird person. He's not act. I mean, the acting is, I'm sure it's happening, but it feels like... He's strange, isn't he? Remarkably unusual. Mm. It's one of the, it's weird that he sort of ended up in this acting business at all. You know? Yeah. He's kind of like... Like they, he just wandered. They found some guy at a bus stop. Yeah, he's just he's he's really generic looking. Yeah, you wouldn't call him handsome in a traditional way, ness. But he's not unhandsome. Is he one of these actors that might have been handsome when handsome when he was younger? Maybe. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think we knew him when he was very young. I think his acting kicked off later in life. No, he's not. Sorry, Nicolas Cage. Again, like I couldn't even bring his face to my mind. He's not generic looking he's like when you use those face apps that squash your facial features into the centre of your face a little bit like he's got tiny little eyes it's rude coming from peg tooth okay but I (laughs) I rectified it and I don't have as much money as Nicolas Cage so he could definitely do something about it he's got enormous pearly whites is he broke he would he is the type to spend I'd say he spent all his money on sort of very attractive expensive figurines or you know that way like he had a really specific interest and blew all his dough on random shit anyway so oh slight update speaking of dead people um body uh tiktok bodies in a bag mm. so they're actually i don't, can't remember now whether the teenagers found two fucking suitcases remember the tiktok video there was only one suitcase in that video but i think they went on to find another one so they found two uh, two people dead in suitcases. Now they've identified who those people are. Their deaths have been deemed a homicide. Uh, the families of these people have put up a ten thousand dollar reward for any information relating to these this pair. So they are. Let's see now. They were boyfriend and girlfriend. Oh, <gasps> yeah. Thirty five year old mum of four, Jessica Lewis, and twenty seven year old Austin. Wenner. Isn't that something? Two separate wheelie bags. That is really, really sad. Yeah, well, yeah, it is, of course it is. But like, fucking hell. Here, here what do you have this week, Cassie? Um, I have a story called Mac Mafia. Okay. Have you ever heard this before? Is this McMillions? Yeah. Brilliant. I've been. Re- I can't remember having seen. Did this just come out on Netflix? So no, there is a there is a HBO documentary that's just been released about this yes. story. Yes, but I'd never heard of it before. Okay, what have you got? I have either here. You choose. I've got two things. Uh, I've got a kind of in a hospital calamity story. Okay, or I have G Lane Maxwell info. Oh, let's. We need. We need G Lane info. Okay. Well, which who do who do you want, who do you want to go first? You give me that first, 
Right. What do we know of Ghislaine? What we do now without Sophie, because sometimes when I don't have a story prepared, I just like push it off and push it, push it off and push it off until we run out of time. Well, now you, I feel very on the spot. I haven't told a story in fucking weeks. Uh, <laughs> you that, Did you not tell a story? You remember that we had two catfish stories? Yeah, and I didn't tell it. Well, and now I've forgotten it entirely. I need that's to bring ridiculous. It back up. Bring it back up. You could do one of them. Uh, okay. What do we know? Ghislaine, as we know, currently in prison. And on suicide watch. Watch this space. Let's see what happens. As we we also know Epstein was on that as well. Um yesterday news came by way of the internet and some guy on Twitter that was like, Okay, you know how Reddit works? Yeah. So there's mods in Reddit too, but the early days of Reddit it was just lots of people make up a username, start Off talking. Go. Yeah. Um, writing things. And uh, did you have you heard any of this yet? No. So there's a user on Reddit who was, I think, at the moment, like number eight in terms of karma points. So you get points, people upvote, you know, when you yeah, amass points and you become kind of important on the on the website. Number eight in terms of karma points, fucking really popular um, Redditor stopped posting the day Ghislaine was arrested. Oh. This post was averaging like, um, what were they saying? Like four to 12 posts a day. Okay. Really, really a active. lot of stuff. Really active. Username. Julian Maxwell. <laughs> Maxwell Hill. Yeah. But, and it, what's funny is, it, it, there's nothing kind of, it was a very, a non, like it was, they never outed themselves male or female. Yeah. There was no kind of personal information in terms of their writing. Uh, and they're so the Twitter so the Twitter sphere picked up this tweet and the Redditors all went into overdrive but they had there had been lots of occasions whereby this Maxwell Hill person had been accused of being Ghislaine so in the kind of comments beneath one of uh, this Maxwell Hill person's posts people had started referring to oh hi Ghislaine Oh, this was pre. Well, it's pre, sorry. When they were doing that Ghislaine stuff, it was it was during the Epstein original yeah. bit. So uh, somebody's amassed all of this user's posts and put forward an argument. So here's the Reddit kind of headline: Maxwell, uh, the Reddit account with eighth most link karma of all time. Power mod of front page so- subs. First account to reach a million uh, karma is slash was operated by Ghislaine Maxwell. Um, beep, 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 beep. So post nearly every day for 14 years up until Ghislaine Maxwell's arrest. Gaps, there was gaps in the posting uh, that line up with Ghislaine's mother's death. And kind of they're suggesting here there's parties that as she was pictured places or abroad for extended periods of time, they they figured that there was little or no posts around that time. It sort of fit with her movements and her timeline. Um, so the things that she would post about, she was a mod across a few different uh, world news threads and technology. So it was that kind of end. There was no ever any mention of Epstein in any of her posts. She or he, this poster, uh, posted things specifically Correcting the age of consent in various countries, mm. so which was int- we- weirdly specific, and uh, whoever whoever this post is has done incredible amounts of work. Uh, Nafka is the name of this person. Um, what else happened here? She post or she was posting articles about why we should legalize child exploit exploitation material. Very interesting. Uh, she, there was some kind of gripes over overzealous child protection laws. I mean, it, uh, and if you kind of go in, if you click into those, there's screen grabs from, you know, comments she's made or he's made, whoever this poster is. It's, it's pretty interesting. So I would, I guess we're never necessarily going to find out one way or the other about that unless this Maxwell user starts posting again. Yeah. What I thought was But if they weren't, if they weren't Jelaine, then I'd say they were just someone who was receiving an awful lot of abuse and decided to turn off the internet <laughs> for a few days. Perhaps. Although but like weirdly coincidence uh, that that would be the same day Jelaine's arrested. Yeah. You know. But also if you were being accused of being Jelaine, you'd be like, eh, fuck it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what is interesting as well? There was kind of an argument in one of the posts here. And I'd never heard of this word before, but it was this Maxwell Hill poster wanting to differentiate between pedophilia and this other type of philia that that equates to adolescence. Um, I'll get it up here now. I can't remember. Uh, Do you have to verify your ID in any way when you join Reddit? No. no. So extremely strange and unusual. Isn't it? Fairy. She's a fucking... The other thing is, like, we're, we're kind of edging into the, like, burn the witch territory here as well. So, but then again, she's the only person that... Here, is, is she going to stick around long enough to dob anyone in here? What do you think? Odds are yes. I mean, I she's definitely going to get, like, try to broker a deal whereby she gets as little time... As possible, I think there's a mandatory sentence for some of the things. I she's mean, been they're they're of. not after her; they're after the guys on the books. But can they let her go? Considering some of the crimes, she will have to no, serve no, time. No, no, she will have to serve time. She's found guilty of those crimes, but so it, what's the impetus for her to? If she's like, "Fuck it, I'm going to jail anyway. I'm not going to. Why would I do any of this shit?" I wish she was like an undercover person this entire time, and she just that fucking turns amazing. the men's in, and she's like, "There you go." That would be amazing. They're all the dickheads and then writes an explosive book about it. Because is there any question in anybody's mind that this stuff happened? I mean, this stuff definitely Oh no, happened. this stuff definitely happened. I we, mean, it definitely, definitely happened. Did we talk and the about Sasha Baron Cohen last week? No. So, Sasha Baron Cohen's come out as well saying he was filming, what's the name of his character? That, Borat. Not Borat, like fashion kind of character. This kind of like um, exaggerated, super gay uh, I can't remember the name of it, but he was filming one of those Bruno. Bruno, I think he, wasn't he filming w- one of those Bruno sketches in a very posh hotel, like a penthouse a, a room in, in one of the hotels. So he was. I can't. I don't know the details. I should have looked into this before I started talking. But he was doing the interview, and he was being. He was in character. He was saying kind of like, he, you know, his kind of usual, really off color stuff. Mm. And then he insinuated that he'd got in, you know, in trouble with his, with a young boy and. Anyway, he was trying to, you know... Lure the interviewee in. Exactly. And was it... Sorry, is this the one with uh, Rudy Giuliani? Is it? It's just... I just, the, there's like a is, recent story that he's next. called the NYPD on yes. Sash Baron Cohen over a prank oh, interview. Maybe. I'm not sure if they're related. But this specific event, the interviewee, whoever he was in the room with, left and the bellboy approached Sasha and said, if you need... First of all, insinuated, if you need to get rid of somebody... I can make a connection for you. Then he said, if you need me to sort you out with dates of young boys, I can arrange that as well. So Sasha Baron Cohen rang the police and, you know, filed a, did whatever. But he then has come out saying like, this is so how insidious this is and how available it is if you are, you know. Super fucking rich. Yeah, if you're rich, if you're very, very rich. But like, why do you have to be rich? And why are all rich people paedophiles? That's what the bit about it that's like... Mind-blowing. Like, what's the, like why, why is that happening? Is it a control thing? Is it like, is there a, a personality trait there? Or is it just like, a, a you know, they start off being young women in their 20s and then they become younger and younger and younger, like... I guess, as the, as the men people get older and older... So weird, isn't oh, it? That's like my blood just ran cold there. That is it's dark, hideous. Yeah, it's very dark. Darkness, darkness everywhere. Um, anyway, so so actually, weirdly, uh, Gizmodo did an interview with this uh, Maxwell Hill person uh, way back when, and the headline was some of the most. They interviewed some, most viral people on the internet, and uh, at that time, Maxwell Hill was the first and only redder to achieve these. One million karma link points, and uh, so there was kind of an interview, an anonymous interview happened, but Maxwell Hill didn't really re- reveal a single iota of, who of information are. about who they are, other than to say I started almost six years ago when Reddit was run by its co-founders, um, more out of curiosity than than anything else. There was a few social websites, but most of them were merely news aggregators. As I played around with social media, I realized that content providers were always going to do better than commenters because they needed to provide. Okay, so, you know, it just explains how you get good at get collecting those points. But um, 
Isn't that fucking interesting? Yeah. But again, is it all just conspiracy? Are we all just trying to kind of neatly tie everything into a bow? But they, there is, there has to be a connection there. Does there? Well, there were so many, so many prominent figures photographed with Jeffrey Epstein. And that fucking, it, the, the best recent one of Ghislaine and uh, Spacey sitting on the fucking um, Queen's chair. What do you call those? Thrones? Yeah. Have you seen that? And no, Prince, I... um, what's his face? Philip. Andrew. Andrew. <laughs> Let's Prince Andrew bringing him we bringing, know that Prince Philip is a big fan of the pod bringing the kind of you know uh, Ghislaine and Epstein on a tour of the fucking bloody but like the, one of the one of the witnesses in the documentary one of the victims was like I was brought for Prince Andrew absolutely so she was she is the and there was a photo and he was like never matter the be- no the no sweating thing nothing can top that yeah Nothing can top it. So he obviously went off kilter there and he was like, oh, oh, sweating. I've got, an, I've got a good one for this. He'd obviously rehearsed all of the answers up to a point and then he went off piste and you could feel all of his advisors behind the camera just like, please, no, please stop. Part of, part of the kind of conspiracy that Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself was that these someone came in to stop him releasing the names of um, the people who were connected with him. Okay. And... To sign up for everything is a fucking subscription. <laughs> everything is a goddamn subscription. I've already signed up to two publications this morning <laughs> to be able to tell my fucking story. So I am actually no business insider. I'm not giving you my. I'm not giving you my my enough custom. is enough. Yeah, yeah. I am here. Huge we are like come on, customize us. Huge, huge hypocrite, but. I'm not giving my that's fine hard-earned money but it's all gonna I mean it's all gonna so her her, she's first due to come on to the stand in a couple of weeks is it before the end of July so we're I mean we're all gonna hear about it as it happens live blow by blow yeah so on Rolling Stone they've named the people who are in his circle so there's um, Les Wexner who we know Sounds is the like billionaire behind this no who behind the L brands so that's where we think he who was brand? the L brand so that was like Victoria's Secret oh that guy so he was yeah. the one who hired Epstein as his financial advisor and that's presumed where um, Epstein got a lot of his money and from and wasn't there some suggestion that they were in a relationship that was the suggestion yeah that's how he gained his trust Jean-Luc Brunel who's a French modelling agent um, Prince Andrew Alan Dirt. Am I going to get served with some papers? I'm so very anxious about no. saying this, but I'm just reading stuff from the internet. That's um, fine. We Marvin all... Minsky. I don't recognise these names. But these are the people, who, oh, sorry, who were on some ledger somewhere. Yeah, these are the really rich, like Glenn Duban and Eva Anderson Duban are billionaire, a billionaire power couple. So, like... The world's gone mad. Bill Clinton. Ooh. But like Donald Bill Trump. was always a skis. Sure, didn't he rape someone before he was, um, he he got voted as president? But like, sure, like we've got the president of the free world is a man who literally said on tape, we know he th- grab grab her by, by the, the pussy. pussy. Like how how have we ended up here? I don't know, I don't know at all. But I do know. That Kanye West's oh, involvement Jesus. in this is another is another conspiracy. But because it'll just distract everyone from voting from Bi- from Biden, They'll, yeah, you know that way. So it'll just be Trump again because he's an independent, so he has no chance of winning. So he's just what this kind of distraction tool. Why the fuck would he agree to that? How could he be such a baddie? Trump or Kanye? Ka- yes, I think Kanye is just a, pa- a pawn. You know, I think Kanye's really good at what he does, music and fashion. But like, I think that he's he's a real kind of um, emotional decision maker. And like he announced he's running for presidency without filing any papers to actually D- physically run. follow so up. So people were like, um, y- you can't just jump up and be like, I'm going to run for president. But it's all fine. And everyone is going to be grand. Do you think we'll end up back in uh, doing our remote recordings? Do you feel a second wave shutdown coming, Cass? Um, I don't know. I haven't really been 
socializing with other people I mean my life doesn't involve a lot of socializing at the best of times um do I think there's going to be a second wave I mean the the World Health Organization have said they're to prepare for one okay haven't they okay and the uh the New York Daily podcast had their um specialist on and he's gotten it all right so far and he was like yeah there will be a second wave i mean it's still out there so it seems plausible there'll be a second wave and we ain't got no vaccine are we going to survive another lockdown i don't know i I really don't don't know i don't know i did get a lovely distracting message from gary you know my old friend gary he once appeared on a zoom okay oh yes um fucking like interesting story (laughs) totally gross painter uh, around so he was what's his name here Forrest Bess is his name interesting painter um, more interestingly though didn't he bore a hole underneath his penis what yeah and then that's he called it his what did he call it he said his or you know for extreme erogenous pleasure anyway Gary's full of uh, obviously has an interest in the kind of DIY surgery me too Gary Disgusting, but it's amazing. More people don't just die of infection having done this, and um, I'm sure plenty of people do. With just there's probably so many, it's not newsworthy. He absolutely could be. He made a hole beneath his scrotum, and the desire was to he penetrated in this new orifice for outrageous pleasure. And uh, he, Gary says, he documented these anatomical transformations in photographs. So I'm going to go check them out later. Interesting. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Absolutely, what a nice little Friday treat. At the end of the day, people doing fucking mad things. Give us your story, Cassandra Delaney. Okay. So, um, this is a wonderful story about how one man managed to swindle $24 million from the McDonald's Monopoly game. Satisfaction. Isn't it? And it's so simple. The only thing I found disappointing about this story is that it was the most obvious person who was responsible. So in 2000, an anonymous um, informant called the FBI and said that there was a connection between all of the people who had run the McDonald's Monopoly game in the States. Okay. What what is the McDonald's Monopoly game? Oh you know it. No. It's when where you have Yeah, so they have little sticks. So the trays, the paper for the trays is like a Monopoly board. Okay. But on the cups and the chips and like some burgers, there's a little peel off sticker and it'll give you a property and if you you combine three of those properties you win a prize. But in the States, there were a couple that were instant $1 million prizes. Amazing. So your chance of winning was still, it was the same as like the American Lotto, the Super Super Bowl or whatever they call it. It was one in 250 million. So it was devised by this company called Simon Marketing. And they were on contract with McDonald's to the value of $500 million. To do what? Be their, be their marketing oh, sorry. outreach. Okay. So hugely valuable. Massive. Big. But like McDonald's is a mass thing, right? Fair. But the, um, the Monopoly game increased McDonald's sales across America by something like 38%. Like it was really significant. So they did a really good job. At it. So basically you go in, you could get your little prize. People where you could collect a couple of the little tokens to try and win prizes. You could go on and be an instant millionaire. You could win chips. You could win a million quid. You could win cars, holidays. It was mad, right? So people were flocking to McDonald's to play this game. So there was legitimate winners happening. Yeah, like you would, you would, you know, you could win anything from like a free fillet of fish to a Jamaican vacation. So people were winning. They had a genuine, um, they had a genuine kind of system in place. So yeah. Simon Marketing devised the game. They also, I think, devised the Happy Meal, which is like the second most successful or the most successful thing that McDonald's have ever done. But the Monopoly game was a close second, like really, really, uh, really, really effective. So what they did was designed the game for McDonald's. Then they employed the services of the of an American company that makes scratch cards. Okay. They had security people involved and they had 
uh, an independent auditor involved as well to Presumably manage the game. Presumably that's how lottery works. You must yeah, have you all have these to have all these checks. people. And, so, and, and McDonald's were paying these, this marketing company and ponying up for the wins as well. So it was costing them loads. Millions. Yeah. But it was paying off. It was off. worth it. Okay. It was worldwide as well. Like you can play it here and they still to this day play it like... What's it called? McMillionaire or something? McDonald's Monopoly. I can't fucking this whole thing. Um, Do you they play it like once or twice a year? I get really into it when I'm playing it, like ridiculously into it. It's very effective. It's a bit of gambling and a bit of McDonald's. What's not to love? But it's actually, it's not, you could technically go into McDonald's and ask for a free ticket because they're not allowed to imply that it's being sold because they're not a gambling, they're not in the business of gambling. When did it kick off, Kath? Years. Oh, like early 90s, I'm going to say. Jesus. I'll anyway, get that up. So this is a, like a hugely successful thing. Um, and people were eating it up and loving eating it. up all their McDonald's. Yeah. And McDonald's were happy. So it actually started in 1987, I think. Wow. Like, it's a good... Um, They've, they've obviously brought it in, brought it out, whatever. And they've, they've done a couple of different iterations over the years. A quick thing there said 1987. That could be right. That could be wrong. Who knows? Let's get into it. So, um, but then in 2000, the FBI got a call from, from an anonymous informer who said that the game was rigged and it was rigged by a man called Uncle Jerry and to look into the recent winners and they would see that most of them are connected or related. To this Uncle Jerry guy? To each Who's other uncle? and to Uncle to Jerry. To each other? Mm. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So the person revealed that the winners had paid Uncle Jerry for stolen game pieces in various ways. The $1 million winners, for example would often give because you could decide to take the one million as a lump sum okay or uh, which was heavily taxed or take 50 grand a year for Ever. 20 years oh. amazing yeah um so the people who would win would often pay uncle jerry the first installment of the 50 grand oh. um or sometimes you demand cash up front for the tickets so the FBI were like, right, well, let's find, let's so go find first, Uncle Jerry. At first, the FBI were like, oh, what is this, right? Um, but there was one, there was one um, agent. So the, the doc, there is a documentary made on HBO about this. And the agent is such a character. He's like, I really wanted to get into this. I was sick of stuff. I wanted to do like an undervest, you know, an, uh, an undercover story, really mad into it. So he was pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, right? And um, he started looking into it and found connections between the people had won. So one, there was like one winner and then say her father-in-law had won, a neighbor had won. Like they were a lot close. of them, a lot of them based in Jacksonville, Florida. Very and they unusual, were all very, considering very close. What was it? One in 250 million chance. Of was winning. your chance. And there was like one family had claimed three $1 million prizes <laughs> and a Dodge Viper. <laughs> Foolish. Yeah. So, um, when so his name was special agent Richard Dent right and when he was informed of it he was like okay well I can't you can't just go to McDonald's and be like this is happening in case the person who's rigging it is in McDonald's so they were like who do we approach who Who do we approach who do we let you know who do we let know about this so they called the a very small team from McDonald's including the McDonald's spokesperson um, whose name was Amy Murray and um they let very few people in on it. So I think there was like the three top sort of like security people that they let um, know. And together they kind of devised a plan on how they were going to figure out who how was involved. Yeah, essentially, right. And this came as obviously a surprise to the, their small inner workings in McDonald's. There wasn't like a feeling of like, had nobody twigged basically that this family, this one family were hitting the jackpot? Every 15 minutes in this one McDonald's. Well, this, it's going over a couple of years, considering it started in 1987 and it's 2000 before the FBI get a call. 
The team, the top lawyers pledged to help the FBI and they gave him over a list of the past winners. And they explained that their, uh, the game pieces were produced by Los Angeles company Simon, um, Simon Marketing, printed by Dittler Brothers in Oakwood, Georgia, and a firm who were the firm who printed mail stamps and lot of scratch cards. The person in charge of uh, the game pieces was a man called Jerome Jackson. Uncle Jacobson. Jerry. So basically what they Jerome. did was... They were printed, the kind of, the low value ones were printed onto, um, were just stuck onto the containers and stuff like that. So they were sent out willy-nilly or whatever. But the high value pieces required, uh, they were locked away in a, first of all, they were put in sort of like a plastic envelope with break, like an unbreakable seal, like a foil seal that like you couldn't tamper with, tamper proof foil seal, right? And they had the security man take them, what, accompanied by an auditor. You're talking about them. You're talking about stickers. They're little stickers. They're Fine. little tiny little cards. Peel right? away cards. Yeah. Okay. So he would take the high value ones personally to randomly chosen winning right. restaurants. Okay. In the states, and they were supposed to go to Canada as well. But there was another conspiracy that they, the Simon Marketing, never let them go to. Canada. But that's a good. So how does that person then just run? Uh, what happened? So then? it was a. A load of different coincidences that kind of um, that kind of set this off. Firstly, uh, Jerome Jacobson was uh, was married, and his wife worked in Dittler Brothers, the printing company. Right, and she got him a job there as a security man. And because they were the ones looking after the the printing of the cards, he was really strict with it, and he wouldn't let he would check people before they were leaving to see that they hadn't stolen. And he used the cards or whatever when he worked for Dittler. And then Simon Marketing were there one day observing and they were really impressed with how diligently diligent he, was he was. So they poached him to be the person who would fly all over the place and deliver these and blah, blah, blah. Oh, and for a while. Interesting. And he didn't do anything with them. No, that. for all well and good. Because he couldn't. They were in a tamper proof envelope and he had Here's an a auditor with the, him observing the, him all okay, the time. But then how, like that has to end up, does it just get kind of thrown into the mi- I mean they go there secretly at the dead of night open the restaurant so none of the staff kind know they're of, there and he would place them on the he would place them onto the things and then I suppose the restaurant staff probably knew but like a randomly generated computer knew this is the this is the only this is the flaw that I found in this story okay is that there were winners happening all over the country yeah but not in the restaurants that he was supposedly sent to uh, so nobody was double checking. No one was double checking. Sure, people I guess were driving all they? over the place and getting stuff. But like there was still a cluster of winners around Florida and stuff or like in, in kind of like close by. Uh, so states. Uncle Jerry started diddling diddlers. So it all happened when um, accidentally the supplier of the tamper proof envelopes sent them to send a package to Jerry directly. So Jerry opens the post one day and is like... To his home address? No, in in oh, work, sorry, I'm in pretty work. sure. But, but like he, addressed to him. Okay. And he opens it and he's like, I have all these tamper-proof envelopes. Ah. So what he used to start doing then is when he would, then when they were traveling with the winning tickets... Quick ball change, he, he was going into, them Yeah, out. he was going into the one place where the female auditor couldn't follow him into the, the men's toilets in in airports, taking out the winning tickets, tampering with that envelope, putting them into, uh, replacing them and putting non-winners. Because like the, the, the non-winners, they could fucking... But nobody was checking the foil of the tamper-proof? Like but he, he was putting it into a fresh tamper-proof thing. Gotcha. Closing so he it had up again. a selection of the tamper-proof envelopes. Yeah. I see, I see. Yeah, yeah. But there seems to be that no one was checking them when they were coming out of the tamper-proof envelopes to ensure that they were still winning tickets. Yeah, I guess. Why would they? Yeah, way. it was, and they really trusted this guy. He had a good history. He was an ex-cop. Like he has, you know, so all who, the credentials. So who won first? Like what was Jerry's first? So the know? first time is when he was at a family party and he gave his stepbrother a winning ticket for twenty five grand. And he said the first time he did it, he just wanted to like see if show that he do. could do it, okay, or whatever. And then it started spiraling and he started talking to other people and then realizing that he could sell off the... He could start making coins. Because he couldn't win himself ever yeah. 
it has to be yeah, yeah. <gasps> so then he started as it went on he started um, trying to enlist the services of people who were a bit further afield Okay. So that like he would felt like it was getting too obvious. He the needed a conversation. What small. he really needed, what he used to say to people was like, I'll sell you the ticket, but you need to find somebody in a different state to go in and cash it for you because I don't want it to be all brought back here and I don't want it to come back here. He lived in Jacksonville, Florida, and he was like, you can't have a cluster of fucking millionaires around here because they're going to be suspicious. They're going to start pointing their fingers at me and realize very quickly that this is where I live. And a lot of people I know are becoming very rich. So he was frightened about that, but not willing to stop. Yeah, but also from the start, he told people that he had a really good relationship with a fortune teller who told him to invest his money. And his he started, he was talking to his friends an awful lot and his colleagues about these investments that he had. He was on a salary of about $70,000. So he probably had a little bit of cash here and there to put into investments. So he told his colleagues very early on that that's what he had done because later on as the scheme progressed obviously he had cars houses it's looking lakeside things yeah but he was like my investments paid off you know and like he'd been lying he'd been like he kind of done the groundwork yeah to have whatever and he's not going around as a millionaire bear in mind like he's getting kickback i think in total even though 24 million was scammed out of mcdonald's he himself amassed maybe three million which I feel like there's so much wealth in the States. People would just be like, yeah, you're right. You're he's right. got a couple of nice cars or whatever. Yeah, he's doing you know, great. Investing. Totally fine. Um, so he said when he when he first slipped his stepbrother Marvin the game piece, he said, I don't know if I just wanted to show him I could do something or bragging, but I just needed to see if I could do it. But then his local butcher in Atlanta heard that he was in charge of the Monopoly prizes and kind of joked that he would like to win one. So... Jacobson was like yeah I can make that happen for you but it looked too suspicious because we're friends and neighbours so they offered to get a distant friend to claim the 10,000 prize money and and they gave Uncle Jerry back 2,000 pounds or 2,000 dollars of the stolen ticket he was like it's easy money now the first one I'm like why would you risk you know massively sloppy this is so sloppy there was dozens of people involved Um, and like they were always McDonald's were already on the alert because there was one 17 year old restaurant employee who was arrested for just stealing 3,000 of the responses um, or stealing 3,000 of them out of a restaurant. So for a while um, between in the early 90s, so like uh, probably like 91 to about 95, they weren't being put onto cups directly. They were being added from a roll at the counter. So they would just send out rolls and imagine that the winning ones were probably mixed in with that so it stopped the need from um it stopped the need for jerry to be being flown all over the place to do it right there was another little uh side (laughs) creep here that like they were kind of sort of plagued with controversy at this time because an actor who played ronald mcdonald was calling people and harassing them in character so like that was just it was just the I read, that was during just, the same that time. was just one sentence I was like I'm gonna need a lot more information on that so that's something to mental note revisit <laughs> someone who played Ronald McDonald was calling people up harassing them as Ronald McDonald right so um, but it's not an obvious kind of voice you'd have to introduce yourself as Ronald I'm and Ronald then commence, commence <laughs> yeah, the so harassment yeah. <laughs> who is sorry who is this it's Ronald, Ronald McDonald Um so then something happened in 1995 that kind of that I feel this is why Uncle Jerry felt that he could go off and be a bit more brazen because he discovered in 1995 that when the computerized prize draw selected a factory in Canada, Simon Marketing executives would redo it until they got one in the States. What? So there was a computer was supposed okay. to be like all the McDonald's locations in North America. Blah, 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 blah. Could be Canada, could be the US. But when one was in Canada, they were like, do it again, do it again, do it again. So they never sent the big prizes to Canada. <laughs> to the point where people were like, that's weird. There are no big prize winners in Canada. So why were McDonald's doing that? Well, it was Simon Marketing, the oh, company. Sorry. I don't know. No, what? Yeah. no particular. Just I can't fuck see any you particular to Canada. Reason. Yeah. Fine. So um, they. Uh, so he felt kind of, I guess, a little bit protected by this. Um, 
so he would go and he says then he would go into a stall take off the the seal off pour the winning game pieces into his hand replace them with commons and reseal a new envelope he first stole a one million instant game piece locked in a safety deposit box then he stole documents that claimed proved the Canada conspiracy theory to protect myself he said okay so he was going to use this as yeah grand Uh, and then he stole another one million dollar game piece just couldn't resist but you know what he did he posted it to St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital in Tennessee. Oh, to try to offset his karma. Exactly. Right. So that happened in November 1995. So what happened? They received this piece. They received this piece, thought it was junk mail. And then uh, Tammy okay. Murphy, who was on the, the reception desk, opened it and realised it was an instant win for a million and dollars. And it was an anonymous. An it's anonymous, actually very clever. An anonymous donor donation, of right? a million. Yeah. And at the time, the New York Times did a story on it, tried to uncover the generous donator, but, but donor, but could not find. How interesting. Very, very interesting, right? Then back in Atlanta, um, Jerry's butcher wanted another win. This so, fucking butcher. Yeah. Clever man. He proposed that he travel with his sister to Maryland where they would find the lucky game piece in a box of fries. So they gave, Jerry gave them a stolen game piece worth $200,000 in exchange for $45,000 of the winnings. Um, and he said, I figured I could trust him because he paid me the first time. But the butcher double crossed him in Maryland and claimed the prize for himself. And Never all he got back. was $4,000 and a big surprise. So what they used to do was feature the winners oh in dear. TV advertising to encourage more sure. people to pay. So he's sitting at home one evening and he's watching the fucking TV and, and up pots the butcher, butcher and he's like, ah, I've won or whatever. And Jerry's like, so Jerry's like, hell, fuck this. I'm screwed because yeah, we're mates like, and neighbours. Yeah. He's like, stop, uh, stop focusing on the attention here. So, but then it made Jerry realise that he needed to find an accomplice who was well connected and distant from him. So someone that he had no real previous relationship with. So this became a pattern. That but he why didn't he just decide to stop? Because he loved the money. Right. Loved it. Yep. Who doesn't? I guess. Loads of money. And, it, and like it had been really working and nobody had been really investigating. There was nobody asking any questions other than Can- the Canada thing. But no one had even, no one had pieced it together yet. No one had... No one would look at the pattern of winners. Who is responsible for that? McDonald's don't really give a fuck because it's working out for them. Money's because so gone. many people are, are... Sales are in. Sales are Fine. in. Simon Marketing, it's working for them. They're on their $500 million retainer yep. with McDonald's. You're right. Why would Who's anyone question Who's going to look it? at the, the, the winners and be like, I begrudge them their Do you win? Know who would? Obsessive players. Yeah. Like if you get somebody who really, like someone, one of those got really into it started like checking my odds seeing like but where the lucky McDonald's are a lot of the, the, the players you'd only notice the players who probably appeared in the commercials you would only notice sure what do you mean because they probably don't release publicly the names of every single winner ah, I see you okay know? it's you're just right. like it's a little game it's but like there was another would winner cast. why would they let that go like why wouldn't they use that as a mark I mean I say Why they probably they have it? loads and there's like there's other at the time as well at the in the early stage of this it wasn't like they were exclusively the winners okay you know there there are enough winners in other places initially right so anyway um Jerry is uh in an airport one day in 1995 when this giant man sits down next to him and his name was Gennaro Colombo he said he looked like Al Capone and when uh, Jerry asked him where he was going, he unzipped a bag full of $100 bills and said he was going to Atlantic City. Fucking brazen. Just put it out there, right? Deadly. And what did Jerry think? This looks like a, a, he was a like, good partner from like my scheme. the kind of guy I'd be born. You like so, money. I like money. Colombo said he was born in Sicily, raised in Brooklyn, and then moved to South Carolina, where he operated adult nightclubs, underground casinos, adult. and a sports betting ring. Saucy. He claimed he was a member of New York's infamous Colombo crime family. Okay. So they just did a happen chance happen meeting in an airport. In an airport, it's just happened to sit down beside each other, right? So then Jerry told him that he worked in promotional gaming and Colombo was intrigued. Um Colombo loved finding new ways to cheat a system. So like when when So Jerry George, fessed up to this perfect stranger. No, I think he told him what he was doing okay. more than he was rigging it. 
Um, but they started kind of exchange, exchanging stories. Colombo said that like Georgia had passed a law that they couldn't have strip clubs anymore. And so he opened a worship, a house of worship called the Church of Fuzzy Bunnies. <laughs> and there was Bible reading for two hours and then there was drinking and dancing girls. So solid church. But um, that would have been clever, though. So Jerry could have let Colombo there in that moment you know allow Colombo to come up with the idea of swizzing the system right you know what I mean rather than whatever yeah. but they become friends and by November 1995 Jerry has given Colombo the game piece for the Dodge Viper um, that's a car yeah to the value of 150 grand or something something, something like that or whatever uh, he took the money instead because as his wife said he was a heavy guy would not have worked he couldn't fit he wouldn't, in a he wouldn't Viper. be able to get into the car yeah now there is a there is a commercial with Jerry in it with his ticket for his Dodge Viper. What? So Uncle like Jerry. He, no, with um Oh sorry, with so Colombo and his Colombo has Gennaro Colombo's name is first name is Gennaro. Okay. So people call him Jerry as well. Oh for God's sake. But we're just gonna call him Colombo for this. Perfect. Right, right. Um so Colombo's wife, Robin Colombo, uh they were like they had kind of this very quick romance became engaged she loved the idea of being a mafia wife bodyguards chauffeurs dogs a name that commanded fear and respect um and so she was like really in there with the fam also became embroiled in this fixing of the game scandal so it the colombo family were the family where they had given three of the one million dollar prizes to um, and they were all connected so like uh, Robin's father um, Robin's father William Fisher was one of the one million dollar winning tickets wow um, this is good though because the connection to our Jerry is is too far away yeah, for their so TV. far away right um, then Robin introduced uh her husband, Columbo, to her friend, Gloria Brown. Um, Brown was, Columbo asked Brown. So Columbo's kind of like operating now on behalf of Jerry. So he's asking people like, how much money will you pay for a winning ticket? You know? Okay. So uh, Gloria Brown gives him $40,000. And then he gave her the like, $1 million game piece. And, uh, you know, they're all traveling out of state to get it. So like... Bit of a, bit of an onward question, but... After the fact, did these people have to pay all this money back after it was rumbled? Uh, Jerry does get fined for like 12.5 million or whatever, but he gets 37 months jail time. Is that all? That's all. So so a lot of people are actually like a lot of people are prosecuted here, but very like nominal jail time because they're not criminal masterminds. They're fucking idiots who took advantage of the McDonald's monopoly game. Grant. And McDonald's so, weren't pursuing for great damn sure they had no money these people well Mac, uh, we'll get to it at the end but like yeah we'll get to that at the end right okay Um. so like Gloria Brown travelled to South Carolina to get her prize because there was too many people who'd won in Jacksonville Um. Fisher travelled to New Hampshire to get his prize so like they are they're kind of being careful or whatever right now Robin and Jerry start to go grow a little bit close. So Robin has a son with Columbo. Yeah. Soon tires of the kind of life and is like, he's never around. He's always in his dancing clubs, whatever. Living the high life, not happy with it. One day he's on the phone and uh, to Jerry and um, she's like, I'm not happy or whatever. And Jerry's like, why don't you marry me? And she was like, I can't leave Columbo or whatever. But like, obviously they're all just absolute crooks. But then one day, um, Columbo and Robin are in the car. Robin's driving. They're going to go see a site for a new house, a new build, maybe a passive house. I don't know. And um, there is a car crash, a really bad car crash. Okay. It looks like Robin is going to die. Terrible. Terrible. They go off to the hospital and it turns out Robin survives, but Columbo suddenly dies. His heart rate drops massively, dies. Right. 
So Colombo's family, the mafia, the mob bosses now who denied that they are the mob, but said they are related to the mafia. Okay. Kind of have this like animosity then with Robin. Fine. And they get sort of strike getting kind of like pissed off with her. Robin is still involved with Jerry and the whole game and her friends have won or whatever. Everyone's going to start wanting their slice now. Yeah, but like Columbo's family are a bit like the Columbo's are like fuck this or whatever. Jerry starts getting a little bit sloppy. Like he's given um, his stepbrother Marvin more three more game pieces, including one for a million. Um, Braun, Marvin Braun was like, it got to the point where we just we didn't need the money. Like I dropped tickets into Salvation Army tins. I he'd give me a million dollar ticket. I would give it away. I flushed a million dollar ticket down the toilet. What? Yeah. Um, the pressure and the stress of it on one hand yeah you know? Jerry's nephew had taken 200,000 game pieces after meeting in Miami uh, you know he was taking 45,000 seems to be like his price for selling them off or whatever right um, they're at a wedding a distant cousin is like can I have one Jerry's like yeah grand um, by the end of 1998 he had just like fucked them around to so many people he was acquiring new properties and stuff on whims he was just um like he was going by a kind of pseudonym of Gerald Constantino uh he has divorced his first wife and he's remarried like he's just living the high life really okay um expensive cruises classic cars um he sold one one person four game pieces for $65,000 bu- buys an old car a man who lives opposite is like a man who lives opposite him is joking about all his cars and is like, ha, oh, where are the winning tickets? Um, so, you know, it's it's just it's just getting a bit loose. But like it's been going on for so long that they're kind of, you know, nobody's really getting um, that suspicious because he starts after Columbo's death as well. He starts like just recruiting his co-conspirators at total random. So he would... Um, he was on a like a Royal Caribbean cruise ship when he met Don Hart and his wife. Um, Don Hart was a man who had sold a trucking company for a small fortune and they were kind of joking about it. Uh, Jerry revealed what the scam was. Hart was an honest business businessman, found it too good to be true, but was like, ha, go on, let's give it a go um, to see if it worked. One of Hart's accomplices then redeems $200,000 game piece. And then after that, Mr. Hart was like, I don't want to be involved by handing any game pieces or handing any money, but I'll connect you with the people who can buy the tickets and uh, cash them in and give us the kickback, right? Or whatever. There was a guy who owned a a chain of fried chicken restaurants who sadly believed that he was actually helping McDonald's find real winners. So he, they told him this kind of like mad story that... McDonald's loved the game and loved finding winners because when there was a winner there was a spike in sales for McDonald's so it was worthwhile for them to be giving out prizes okay. so he starts going out like he's at Mardi Gras and he's like do you want to buy a prize do you want to buy a prize do you want this whatever <laughs> don't understand why he thinks he needs to sell them the winning pieces but still um, so he's given around like 10 winning but pieces surely it's, at this point is Jerry not just like just arrest me I, I can't deal with this anymore. he can't stop he's lost the run of himself He's not even attempting to cover his tracks. It's not, but like, there's nobody really connects them. He's getting enough kickback. He's, he's, you know, he's happy. He's getting, you know, $45,000 here, there, everywhere. Blah, blah, blah. He's fine. Um, so then he recruits Hart, the businessman, introduces Jerry to Andrew Glum, who's a gambler. You know, he, he starts getting involved in people who are his, like at the start, it's kind of like, these haphazard people who just want the money, they remortgage their houses, they buy the pieces, it's, it's grand, whatever. But it, it, it just progresses to the point where he's actually working with mobsters and criminals and whatever. So Andrew Glam, who's a gregarious gambler, um, was actually, had been sentenced previously of convict for shipping pure cocaine on an American flight from Miami to Dallas. So he had actually skipped on for 16 months fle- fleeing to Europe and then completed a 12 year sentence. So he comes out- years. He comes out, he gets involved, but he starts giving his winning tickets to like his old friends from the drug trafficking j- days. So he was like, you know, you go up and you meet someone, you'd offer to 
give them a prize or you, they're buying the prize off you but like you still have to pick up the bill at the end of the meeting because these guys were so destitute and broke yeah that like then it started looking suspicious that there okay. was a lot of like drug users and and whatever uh winning, winning. all these um winning all these prizes so uh Across America then, like, the suspicion started growing. People were getting annoyed. They were like, are McDonald's employees keeping the cards from themselves? Uh, the Atlantic, the Atlantic Constitution was doing a few stories about it. There was a man who took out a classified ads trying to trying to find the pieces. So there was a couple of games where it was like an instant instant million. But then part of the game is that you need to collect three properties, like in Monopoly, okay. to own kind of a street or whatever. Okay. So they would make two of the properties widely available, but the third property really, really scarce. So like the chances of winning were still so. Um, so people were then placing sort of ads. Craigslist. For, yeah, like I'll split the or money like with you if you have this kind pro- of thing. How interesting. Yeah. But that seems okay. I mean, I can't see it. I mean, that, it's that a legit cheating? way to do yeah. it, I think. Just like, do you have this piece? We will join forces and split the money. Blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's a lot of money that they were giving out, right? Yes. Um, so it goes on and on and on until the anonymous informer calls and says their first one they say is to look into William Fisher, who was Robin's father. So they suspect that the informant was someone from Columbo's family who was trying to avenge his death by dubbing Robin into it because she was so connected to so many of the winners that it would it would come back to her or whatever. Um, she's just gonna fucking fold like a napkin and tell them about Jerry. Yeah. So well. So then Amy Murray, who is um, the McDonald's lady, the McDonald's lady, she's like the public face of the company. They used to call her the McQueen of McDonald's. Um, so she rings William Fisher at his home in Jacksonville, and he told her that he had won the prize in Litchfield, New Hampshire, where he was living for a year. But then they, they kind of summoned his property and electricity records and showed that he had never lived in New Hampshire. He'd lived in Jacksonville all along. Um, I believe William provides, so the, then the FBI was like, he's providing false information to a- Amy Murray. Um, and then when they looked into Gloria Brown, who was Robin's friend, they realized that she had rerouted her annual 50 grand check back to Jacksonville. So they're starting Whoa. to see a lot of, even though the claims have been made all around the country, they're all rooting Connecting the money the back to Jacksonville. Um, so they opened a massive FBI investigation. They called it Operation Final Answer because they also ran a Who Wants to Be a Millionaire game. Okay. And they thought that that might be a, um, that might be involved as well. So they involved 25 agents across the country who tracked 20,000 phone numbers, recorded 253 cassette tapes of telephone calls, and they said how they worked from the outside in to focus in on who Uncle Jerry Amazing was. case to be on, I'd say. Really satisfying because they were getting hits all the time because yeah. there was winners all the time. So you'd be like, oh, like Dexter, Wall of Connections. Yeah, I don't know. exactly. Sounds like great crack. Um... Yeah, so it's just it it was just like this massive connection of um and people. it all There's led back everything to eventually Jerry. led back to Bingo Jerry because they knew it had to be somebody on the inside. Yeah, only no, they, bit, surely they suspected it was him anyway because I'm sh- like I said there was probably a handful of men or women in these positions. Do you know doing the drops? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. the winning stuff. What they did was the FBI convinced McDonald's to run run the game again okay. so they could track it. Yes. And then they catch Andrew Glom. Set him up. Set, they Mac essentially Sting. set him up. The Max Sting. So they caught him. There was an undercover commercial recording where they were going out and interviewing the winners, finding the connections between them. And um, yeah, they all they arrested eight major suspects on August 22nd, 2011 and or 2001. And the reason that I think that it's. People forget about this because it was such a massive story was because it obviously then a couple of days later on September 11th. Ah, isn't that diverted there's a whole the national thing attention. about humongous we talked about this before big huge events um shadowing 
other events that are also happening at the time. So there's yeah. these huge stories like the McMillionaire scandal that go completely yeah. get like disappear. Yeah. How amazing if if you were part of a scandal and it just so happened some pandemic you'd be like fucking brilliant. No one's ever going to remember this. So there, I, there's obviously if you went searching, I'm sure there's a collection of stories. There's loads of like yeah. long form pieces about this because it's quite complicated. Like it spans so many people. Uh, they start getting really messy. Like he starts kind of trading property and and land for game pieces and stuff. So like it's just it's really really um, really foolish. Well, that was a whopper of a story. It's very good. Uh, it was delicious. Thank you. It was worth that all was those an subscriptions amazing story. I paid this morning to get the access God, to all the... that deadpan delivery. Deadpan worth yeah. all those subscriptions. Thank you but so then much. In the end, oh, sorry. oh, sorry. Go, go. In the end, um, obviously, McDonald's let Simon Marketing go. Okay. Because they were like, well, you kind of up. all your fault because Jerry was employed by Simon That's Marketing. That's right. And then the end. he got transferred over. Yeah. So then they... Um, they sued each other for breach of contract, breach of contract. Okay. And McDonald's settled with Simon Marking for something like sixteen million or something. Oh, pittance compared pittance to what they were on. They have. And then the the, the marketing company essentially closed down. In that is well, okay, mm. amazing story. Worth watching the documentary now that I we know all of that. Watched the first episode with my dad. Was like this is gripping. Where are we finding it? It's on Sky at the moment. So torrent it. Torrented F movies. That sounds amazing. Thank you, Cassie. Another whopper episode. We miss you, Sophie, if you're listening. Um, now we're going to go and record a hive do where do I do have do some do. juice. Thank you to our patrons. We love you dearly. Uh, see you next week. Bye. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.